get the squeeze for Van Vliet. He doesn't. Ananobi, great effort, yep. but that's it. That's it. That's the ball game. The Boston Celtics hang on to win game seven, and they will advance to the Eastern. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. If you're still scrambling around looking for gifts, send those people in your life this treat of a podcast right now because we'll be going through in a whirlwind fashion all of the intricacies, predictions, analysis of the upcoming 2021 season. Now, if you're listening to this, you're probably a Raptors fan. If not, fair play to you for expanding your horizons. But that's going to be the main focus of my bit. And of course, my co-host, Varal, is going to look at the NBA in about 10 minutes if you want to skip forward. But I know you'd never do that. First of all, we spoke about it a little bit in the pre-draft, sorry, in the post-draft, pre-trade deadline episode a couple of weeks ago. The Raptors didn't end up making any significant moves, any significant trades. There was rumours of James Harden, but in fact, what ended up being the most significant move the front office made was to extend OG Ananobi four years, 72 million. It is perhaps, to quote Trump, the deal of the century. Honestly, someone like OG, you'd expect not really to go for less than maybe 485, 490. It shows that he's the franchise player going forward. It shows that they'll want to build around the likes of Van Vliet, Siakam, uh, OG, of course, uh, who knows, maybe Norm uh, coming forward, maybe Malachi Flynn, who we'll uh, get onto a little bit later. But it really cements his place in the franchise. Does it mean Kawhi is less likely to come back next year? Who knows? But again, let's not dream. Let's not talk about that. The Kawhi days are over. I keep having to tell myself, no matter how much he's in my dreams. Anyway, looking at the Toronto Raptors depth chart this year, it's going to be a likely starting lineup of Lowry and Van Vliet, the tiny but skillful backcourt. Of course, you've got OG at the three, Siakam at the four, who is really, really hopeful in his preseason interviews about bouncing back. And of course, uh, I'm going to see a new person at the five. It's the end days of the veterans, Gasol, Anibaka, we're going to see the meme, the dream, Aaron Baines. We talked a little bit about what he can bring to the role before, but he's the main guy we're going to focus on because it's an important part of Nick Nurse's strategy is to have the five be a bit more of a playmaker. Nick Nurse doesn't necessarily like a traditional five unless the situation specifically calls for it. We saw that a lot, for example, when OG moved to the five. And of course, OG, he looks like he's probably the third or fourth choice to play centre this season, of course, depending on the matchup and depending on uh, which teams choose to also play small ball, which I assume will be even more than last season. But when you look at it from an overall perspective, Baines is going to be the only difference between the starting lineup this year and last year, just inevitably, just objectively. Is he better than Gasol and Ibaka? The answer, sweet answer, no. Right? You can meme him all you want. You can try and play 4D chess, but Baines is not better than those two. Those two, I know Gasol didn't play so well in the playoffs, but he's still world class. And Ibaka, he's going to do excellently at the Clippers. And he showed that yesterday. Five of seven, made a couple of threes, contributed off the bench. So uh, he was probably the saddest loss of 
this offseason, Ibaka. So, uh, you know, no more uh, beef uh, unintelligibles uh, on the menu for Toronto. Maybe that's a benefit. Maybe, maybe they enjoyed it. Who knows? Anyway, we digress. Moving on to the second unit. It's a difficult one because you've got Malachi Flynn, who looked really good in preseason. I think the Raptors really went off on a flyer when they drafted him. It's like when they drafted OG at number 23, right? You, you, right now, you're kind of wondering why he wasn't a top 15 pick. And same with Malachi, he drafted in 29. Why is he not uh, within the top 20? He's an excellent point guard. He's got that sort of same character as Larry and Van Vliet. He's a little bit undersized, but he makes up for it with his technical skill. And I'm tempted to say hustle, but I don't want to get mean. So let's say technical skill and overall court IQ, vision, etc., etc. He's shown it in preseason. Of course, preseason is not indicative at all of the regular season, no matter the playoffs. But I'm sure he's going to get some minutes. And hopefully we can see him leading that second unit. Because, of course, sitting next to him will be Matt Thomas, Mr. 99%. He is hoping, well, I am personally hoping because I'm a huge fan to play that J.J. Redick role as well, whenever we need a three, you know, when you want to go really small. <laughs> Maybe Larry Van Vliet and Thomas can start together with Siakam and OG. Who knows? Um, they'll be supported next to him by Norman Powell, who, of course, made huge, huge strides last season. He had his traditional storming playoff game against the Celtics in game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals. And then, interestingly enough, Chris Boucher, who Nick Nurse didn't trust so much last season. I still think he's very raw. I don't think he's... If you want to compete, you can't give someone like Chris Boucher more than 10 or 15 minutes a night, especially oh well, unless, again, the situation specifically calls for someone of his nature. Because he's not rounded in the traditional way. He's still very raw. You know, It's been two or three seasons with us. He's played another one with the Warriors. He hasn't really developed how you would have liked. But he will be competing for big man minutes with another new signing, Alex Len. Definitely the weaker of the two. I know people say Aaron Baines and Alex Len. Alex Len, definitely the weaker. He could potentially show up in some games. But um, again, you don't want to be giving him more than 15 minutes. You want, to, you want him to maybe eat up some big man minutes. He's, he's an okay rebounder. Not a great shooter. But... We go again. We we hope Nick Nurse works his magic. The only real player then from the third string, or let's name two players. One is Terrence Davis, who we're still not sure about for reasons I can't say, uh, legal reasons I can't say, and uh, DeAndre Bembry. Very interesting signing from the Hawks. We talked about him again on the last podcast. More of an energy player, more of a replacement for Hollis Jefferson. Um... Uh, you know, he'll bring hustle, he'll bring energy. He can be one of those guys who'll lead a random 30-point comeback like we saw against Dallas last season. Again, nothing to write home about. And then for some reason, Stanley Johnson's opted in. And again, he'll just be a pure minutes eater when the lads need a rest and it's garbage time. Well, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because the Raptors, interestingly enough, if you look at 538, who, okay, they're not great politically, uh, on their political um, predictions, but sports-wise, they usually nail it. And they said the Raptors will come fourth in the East. That is a lot higher than last season when we had a stronger roster. Of course, okay, we just lost Kawhi, so it was a bit of a shock factor. 
the stronger roster last season, people predicting weren't even making the playoffs. They predicted we were to make fourth. I would say fifth or sixth seed, maybe. It's a much weaker team, and more importantly, it's a much stronger East. I wanted to match it up against some of the rivals in the East. Those of you who saw the Brooklyn Nets play last night, wow. wow. I mean, if you're watching, it's like, is this... Is, this is the team that they wanted to make when they, when they, the kind of style they wanted to play when they made all those trades ill-fated in the end, trades with the Celtics uh, earlier last decade. But God dang, that is, that is a sign. I mean, you look at it, Kyrie, who had a phenomenal game yesterday, and KD. I'll not forget KD. And um, I was mentioning to someone yesterday, we were watching the game, KD last, KD's last game in the NBA was Raptors Game 5, 2019 NBA Finals. He came on and half-fit KD in something like five minutes, just dropped 11 points, absolutely took the whole sting out of the Raptors. And he was, if he was fit, I've said this numerous times, uh, they were, Warriors would have gone on to make a comeback in that series because there's no way you can compete against him. He's one of your fav- most aesthetically pleasing players to watch, probably with the exception of LeBron and maybe Kemba or Kyrie. But wow, he is a force to be reckoned with. And Br- the Nets yesterday showed under the tutelage of Steve Nash that they're going to be an entertaining team. And I can see him going top. I mean, it's so weird. 538 are saying uh, they're going to come sixth in the East. I mean, I'll be surprised if they ain't fighting for top two. They are a side to be reckoned with. Let's go back to our old nemesis, the Boston Celtics. Again, they're a C team. That's not made many adjustments to their starting lineup, but they've strengthened in depth the likes of Jeff Teague, etc., uh, etc. Et Can they go one step further? Probably not. They're, in, they're, they're an Eastern Conference semifinals, Eastern Conference finals team. But against the Raptors, I trust them to beat us again because Brad Stevens is an excellent coach. He can get what he needs out of this team. And again, I mean, they're gonna. It's, if they play each other again, it's gonna be the same starting lineups. Nothing, nothing gonna be different except for Baron Baines. So uh, let's chalk that up as a Celtics W and hope uh, perhaps the Milwaukee Bucks can knock them out earlier on. Again, they have only strengthened and they are absolutely buoyed by the signing of Giannis and Um Of course, the signing of Drew Holiday, absolutely massive from them. You know, they had that strange Bledsoe Hill kind of. PG rotation going on. Uh, you know, they were good, not good enough. Dante DiVincenzo can now step up, play alongside Drew. you got Middleton in there who dropped off a little bit last season. He's coming back. And, of course, old, reliable Brook. Going to deliver. Um, and even those teams who you wouldn't necessarily expect to challenge. You know, maybe let's look at Philly. Philly, you tempted to say lower seeds compared to the, because of their choice last season. But, I mean, now they've got Simmons. They, he's got two shooters alongside Simmons. Three, sorry, two new shooters, three shooters, right? You've got Simmons playing. You've got Seth, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. And, of course, you've got Joel Embiid at the five. And unless this trade with Harden somehow materialises, which I sincerely doubt, you can see the Sixers going a little bit further, presenting something a little bit different. They were too predictable last year. That was their problem. But against the Raptors? I don't think there's much of a problem. The perimeter defense is still excellent on the Raptors' side. And Joel Embiid, he's the only one you'd fear. But again, in a seven-game series, he's going to maybe have, what, a couple of good games, a couple of 30-point games. The other five games going to disappear. 
Let's do it. But even other teams, maybe. Let's look at the Washington Wizards. They've just picked up Russell Westbrook. He's a somehow a scarier prospect than John Wall. And I love John Wall and his creativity. But Russell Westbrook playing alongside Bradley Beal. Then you've got the development of Hachimura and Bryant. That's a toughie. You don't want to face them. I'm tempted to put in one last team, but I think what we've shown is the depth of the East this year. I don't think it's as strong as the West still, but there's going to be no easy rides, no easy games. Um, even the Hornets, maybe. Well, okay, except with the exception of the Hornets. And that's if um, Gordon Hayward doesn't you know, turn into prime Steve Nash this time under the tutelage of um, Michael Jordan. So that's the Raptors. I mean, fifth or sixth is where you're looking at with this roster. Uh, Nick Nurse now going into his third season, right? His first season was interesting because he still coached very well, but he still had Kawhi to bail him out when he was needed. Last season, I think the Raptors did everything right in the regular season. They were excellent. They played very good basketball. They developed players. It was just unfortunate that we almost came up against his coaching match, right? I mean, and that series could have gone either way. I know the Celtics overall were much better. But it took them game seven. And as you heard at the start of this episode, the opening clip, you know, it was close. It went right down to the final minute of game seven. So it's a toughie. It's a toughie. I mean, he, going into his third season, though, he's got a settled squad almost. And you're hoping that maybe he comes up with a few more schemes when the Raptors don't have that necessarily, don't have that offensive edge. Or if teams maybe work out the Raptors' plays early on, maybe they can go to... Maybe they can work on the small ball a little bit more. Maybe they can work on putting a couple of big men. Can Boucher develop into the player Nurse wants him to? It's interesting, and we'll see that early season, and we'll make sure to revisit that in the early season. But that's the Raptors preview. Um, fifth or sixth. Games one. I'll stick to similar with 538, 43 and 29. And let's say Eastern Conference Finals. For the rest of the preview of the rest of the NBA, we're going to switch over to our co-host, Varel, who is coming in live from London. What's up, Boarding in the Six listeners? Long time, no speak. It's been a while. Today, we're going to go into our season of predictions. This was a popular episode last year, and um, we're doing a similar thing this year, but we've kind of mixed up the categories just to keep things fresh. Uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get straight into it. So the first category I'm going to discuss is the bottom feeder for each conference. So this is a pretty close race in the Eastern Conference because despite the improvements that we've seen at the top of the conference, there are some analysts out there saying that the Eastern Conference is potentially more competitive than the Western Conference this year, or at least more talented. Um when it comes to the bottom teams, the East still blows the West out of the water. And for me, there's one clear front runner when it comes to the East teams as to who I think is going to suck. And that is the dumpster fire of an organisation. It's the New York Knicks. Now, they're possibly in a better situation than last year when they had 17 power forwards. Uh, you know, they've made a couple of moves that weren't completely brain dead especially when it comes to the grass uh draft sorry they got praised for um making the selection in Emmanuel quickly and obi toppin and obi toppin in particular is one reason why this team might actually have a reason for playing this season but 
the biggest problem with this roster is the lack of veteran experience. When one of the oldest and most experienced players that you have to rely on is is uh, Austin Rivers, then your team has a problem. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I actually quite like Austin Rivers, but the oldest player on this team is 30 years old. And when this team gets into trouble, I don't see any leadership that's going to get them out of it. And that leadership certainly isn't going to come from the team, from the manager, and most definitely not from the front office. Now, when it comes to the bottom feeder of the West, this was actually quite a difficult decision for me, but I eventually decided on the OKC Thunder. And of course, they traded away um, the solar system this offseason and as a consequence accumulated all that draft capital, which I'm sure everyone is aware of. But the main things really they should be focusing on this year is to try and develop Shea into a an all-star this year um he's definitely got the potential to do it and i like the fact that they've got some veteran players so he can still learn under the tutelage of a george hill um as well as uh, you've got leaders in other positions they did get al horford who will actually have a little bit more space to operate compared to what he had in philly and i still think al horford is more than a capable nba player his main problem was the fact that he had to operate alongside mb i feel and um, the other two or three pieces that this team could look at, Theo Maladon, Lou Gwentz Dort, however you pronounce his name. Dort, I believe, should have a role of, you know, 20 to 25 minutes, uh, given what we saw from him in the playoffs. Unfortunately, it didn't quite seem to be the case in the preseason. He didn't really get to see the ball much. But um, I do hope he gets either like a sixth man type role or even starting role for this team because he has a lot of qualities especially on the defensive end the next category i'm going to make a prediction about is the dark horse contender for the title category and it would have been easy for me to go to an old favorite of mine the utah jazz uh, given that they of course have the second best player in the league bogdan bogdanovich and that is not a comment that i will tire of making he is a god amongst men he is Mr. Basketball in our era. But um, enough about him. The dark horse for myself for this season is going to be the Houston Rockets because it seems like the only discussions we've been having about them is, um, at this point in time at least, whether Harden is going to be traded as he has filed a trade request. But this prediction is completely predicated upon whether the man with a beard does in fact stay in the city. And apart from visiting sex clubs in the city, Harden may in fact be enticed to stay on this team because of what he's seen from Coach Silas's new system and from uh, the performances of uh, the likes of Wall and even Boogie in these preseason games. Uh, even Christian Wood, I think he had 24 points in his 27 minutes. I was wondering whether he could, he would continue his form from Detroit into Houston. And this team has a lot of potential people who said um that john wall is um basically a like for like with russell westbrook you're trading a one pound piece for a 250 pence pieces you know um people thought the trade was ridiculous but um i think people forget the fact that wall is a much more efficient shooter than westbrook westbrook was one of the worst outside shooters for a guard historically speaking 
whereas Wall was average to below average. And there is a huge difference between being an average outside shooter and being a horrible one like Russell Westbrook. It means that teams really aren't going to be leaving John Wall open, especially because he's going to be generating different shots to the ones he generated in Washington. He's going to be more likely be more open with Harden playing the predominant uh, ball handler role. Uh, then you've got the likes of Christian Wood, like I said. I do expect him to still play a relatively large role in this offense, especially with uh, Boogie coming off those two devastating injuries. But the biggest change for this team is the fact that they actually have some players that are over six foot six. Um, that's huge for them. And uh, their strength has always been in their guards. They've still got Eric Gordon, who looks like he's playing very well. So this team could easily be a top four seed in the West as opposed to being as a team that's either going to scrape into the playoffs or just about miss out on the playoffs, which seems to be uh, among the consensus of what I've read so far. I was supposed to go into my predictions for the playoff teams for the upcoming season, but as always, I've completely overrun my allotted time slot. So I'm just going to finish off with the last category, which is a team that I expect to flop uh, when considering what they're expected to do. And um, for me, this team is an easy one to pick, and it's the Philadelphia 76ers. I do like a lot of the moves that they made this offseason. Uh, they understood, yes, we do just need to space the floor uh, outside of Embiid and Simmons. So they brought in Seth Curry, who I'm a massive fan of. Um, I think he brings so much to the floor. It's not just his shooting. Uh, despite being undersized, he is a pretty decent defender. Um, and he can play like a secondary playmaker role off the bench. He's not just a player. And they also added Danny Green. And I know Lakers fans um, might ridicule this and say, you know, a point to the fact that he was actually pretty useless for them during the playoffs. But this is a man whose uh, playing ability is predicated on his skill and his finesse and not his explosiveness. Um, and that skill doesn't just go away from, you know, a stretch of 20 or 30 or 40 bad games. All shooters have poor shooting slumps. And it's not like uh, his defense has dropped off massively. He, he's not an elite defender like he used to be, but he's still a very good defender. And he, I believe he's still very capable of spacing the four for this team. Getting rid of Al Horford was a big plus for me as well. And I do think Korkmaz and Shake Milton will take on even larger roles than they had last season. And they both show potential during the preseason. The only way that I see success for this team is with the current composition is for Simmons to move to the four because I don't think they're looking to trade away either Simmons or MB during this offseason but they were involved in trade rumors with a point guard a type player whether that was a Chris Paul I believe they're also in the running for James Harden which I believe is a move that they absolutely have to make but if Ben Simmons is still the point guard of this team, there is a ceiling on what this team can achieve. I don't care how many guys you have spread the floor next to uh, both Embiid and Simmons, but you can't have two guys who feast so much on the paint 
on the floor at the same time. It just isn't going to work. Um, and the only way it would work is if Ben Simmons is not the point guard. But even if this trade were to happen, I don't think this team is capable of winning the championship while Brett Brown is the head coach. And so that's a nice way to round things off. A nice bit of shitting on Brett Brown. We all love to hear it. Um, I imagine some of you may disagree with some of these predictions, particularly the Rockets one. Um, I can see that being slightly more on the controversial end. Uh, in a future episode, we might go into uh, what we, I think, the playoff standings are going to be at the end of the season. Uh, but we don't have time for that during this episode. Uh, didn't really go into uh, the first two games in this episode, but both the Lakers and the Nets games were massive eye-openers, I believe. And, of course, the Brooklyn Nets look terrifying with that uh, Durant and Irving partnership. Anyway, thanks, guys. So just to throw my own hat into the ring with the Eastern Conference, Bucks comfortably going to come top for, what is it, the second, third time in a row? Still an elite team. I've only built on it. Brilliant. But they're going to be chased down very swiftly by the Brooklyn Nets, who after last night's performance, as we discussed, are an elite team. Not only that, but one, probably probably the most aesthetically pleasing team currently in the NBA. I think third, the Miami Heat, last year a dark horse, this year no longer. People know who they are and who they are going to deliver. Jimmy Butler usually saves his best stuff for the postseason, but the Miami have enough depth, and especially depth, sorry, and especially if they sign likes of Avery Bradley, they're going to deliver in the regular season this time as well. Fourth, let's see the Boston Celtics, another well-drilled side going in. As we said, not much change from last season, and the results shouldn't change too much either. Fifth, I'm going to put my bank on Raptors as the fifth place. It's more the coaching than the players for the Raptors this time around, and they'll be closely followed by the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, as I said before, the structure's good, right? They've got Ben Simmons, they've got three shooters, and they've got Embiid. But is that really enough to challenge any of the teams above them, with the exception of probably the Raptors? Probably not. Seventh is an interesting one. You've got a few teams who can deliver, but I think it's going to be the Indiana Pacers. They've got Depot back now for a full season. Hopefully he's made a full recovery, fully rehabbed, fully healthy. Number eight, this is a choice. This is a huge, huge choice because it could be either of the Hawks or the Bulls, and therefore I'm going to give them joint place because you know what? I'm going to predict a play-in tournament. The Hawks forever improving. Now Clint Capella, give them a little bit of extra oomph, give them a bit of experience to add to the likes of John Collins and, of course, Trey Young, man, absolutely phenomenal last year. One of the most underrated seasons. Underrated, not really, because he has been rated. Therefore, he's just rated in itself. That's why I'm going to put them ahead of the Bulls. The Bulls, I think they can, I think they're being slept on a little bit. I think, I'm not going to make them my dark horse pick. My dark horse pick are, in fact, the Hawks, just because of Trey Young. They could launch a huge surprise and, in fact, launch themselves higher up the seeds and maybe surprise one or two teams by getting to the semi-finals or the playoffs. No further, though. Absolutely no further. In the Western Conference, well, it's easy here. It's the two LA teams up and above. Clippers showed it last night. They are a good team and, you know, you're not expecting any team 
involving, even if you're going to load manage LeBron, you're not going to expect any team with LeBron and AD to not come first or second in that league. Uh, Nuggets still showing good depth, same as last season. Very, very solid regular season team. And I think Luka Doncic's rise will continue and continue to really make sure this Mavericks side has exactly what it needs. Yes, they did lose the likes of Seth Curry, but what they'll gain, what they'll gain with Pozignes hopefully coming back, hopefully coming back strong to his prime, is that, that duo. That duo will carry them extremely far, and they've got a number of excellent role players still on the roster. I don't know where to put the Rockets. At their current stage with Wall and James Harden, I'm going to put the Rockets number five if Harden wants to play. This is a caveat. If Harden is willing to play for this Houston team, if he does not get traded, that is my current prediction. Because John Wall, okay, he might have to play off-ball a little bit, but when he gets the ball, you know he can dime, and you know who loves dimes? Pretty much the entire Rocket squad. He is exactly what they needed. A fantastic trade, in my opinion, for Russell Westbrook. So let's put the Jazz next. Jazz, of course, just signed Rudy Gobert to a huge extension. And Donnie Mitchell, hopefully the relationship between them is sufficiently repaired because they're their two best players. And combination, I mean, not many teams can stop. Not many teams are going to stop that because the Blazers are going to do their best. They have completely upgraded their roster and they've got the one player they really need, Robert Covington. And we're going to look at the Pelicans coming in at number seven. Again, Zion's development, of course, he only had really relatively few games last year. But his development, Lonzo's development, that team, honestly, one of the most exciting teams. I'm not sure Ingram's going to get MIP. I think he's just going to be seen as one of the all-stars this year. And I think grabbing the last playoff spot, we have... The Phoenix Suns, who again gained the likes of Chris Paul, and they still still have Devin Booker. So <laughs> all fair play to them. Although losing Kelly Oubre Jr., big big blower, you know, put in a great performance against the Nets yesterday. Let's see who's going to challenge them nine. I don't think they'll have any trouble beating the ninth or tenth place side in that aspect, um, because it seems the rest have given up. Except I'm going to put the Warriors in. I know it wasn't a great performance last night, but but with the likes of Curry and hopefully if the likes of Wiggins and Oubre can get their shooting going, they'll have no problem. Because right now, and we saw yesterday, everyone is just blitzing Curry. Bottom team from each conference. Well, this is pretty easy for the East. Uh, it's going to be the Pistons, who probably had one of the worst seasons in history, one of the most bizarre of season history. And for the West, I think they'll want to come bottom. I think they'll comfortably do it. It's going to be the Thunder. They're completely rebuilding. I know they got shy. Shy's going to get a lot of minutes. I know they've got even Al Horford, a very odd pickup, maybe some veteran experience there. That's what I'm going for. Writing all these down, hold me to account. End of the season, hopefully when fans are back in stadiums, hopefully when the Raptors are making their way back to the NBA Finals, you're going to hold me to this.